0: today from the book of 3rd John. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well, because they went forth in his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that that we may become fellow workers for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, Prouding against us with malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but do what is good. He who does good is of God, and he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write that I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name.
1: You may be seated. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. Your word brings life. It brings light. I pray, Lord, that you will illuminate our hearts with your word. May your words bring life to us. May we hear from you, speaker and hearer alike, as your word is spoken today. We invite your presence. We continue to invite your presence in our personal spaces, in our hearts. in the places where we have closed doors, we open them to your presence. We open them to your spirit. We ask that your word would do its work in our lives, in our hearts. May it be like seed that falls into good soil. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, um, we are going to be going through the book of Third John together. Um, Two weeks ago, we went through the book of Second John together, and it's still the same writer who calls himself the elder, which is John. And if you remember, we said one important thing that we said the other week was that um, older people can say whatever they want because they're elders. Um, and we hear this elder here, John, he is writing to um, Gaius. And there's so many different connections here. I mean, Gaius is spoken about as a companion of Paul before in Acts, in Corinthians, and in Romans. Um, And we don't know if it's the same Gaius, so it's a different one, but that name is very popular, but it's used a lot of times in these scriptures. It's used in Acts 19, in 1 Corinthians 1, and when Paul speaks to the Romans and tells them that he stayed at the house of Gaius. So we don't know if it's the same house or not, but this is a name that is very common in the Roman Empire. And when Paul speaks to him, um, he speaks... Sorry, when John, not Paul, speaks to him, he speaks of a blessing. That's what he starts with. He says, Beloved, I pray that you would prosper in all things and be in health, just as a soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified the truth that is in you. Just as you walk in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children... Are walking in truth. He speaks about. He says, "Beloved, I pray." This is this is the the apostle. He he is he's a, he's an old man now. We've spoken about that the other week. So he has all these things that he wants to say, and we see that at the end as well. He speaks about. Um, I have so much to tell you, but he says, "I pray that you." Me and technology Oh yeah, there we go He says, I pray that you would be You would be prosperous And I know so many people have taken that prosperity And made it a different thing than what it meant And in those days when they would write a letter They would say to somebody um, that, That phrase there would be If you are well, it is good Then I am well It's saying, I hope all things work well for you. And in realizing that, I don't want to skim over and pretend that God does not want us to be at a place where there is prosperity that is is, uh, promised as the ultimate thing to the church when we get home in heaven. Where there will be prosperity, no health issues, no death, there will be peace. But that's the ultimate thing that we are promised. But while we are here, there are times where we're going to face sickness. There are times where we're going to face lack. There are times where we're going to face where we don't have everything that we need provided for. But our ultimate promise is a place where God's place and our place are together. And in that place, there is prosperity, true prosperity. And in that place, there is health, true health. And in that place, there is peace through true peace in Christ Jesus. So I don't want to skim over it and pretend it's not there. But I want you to know that, yes, we are promised those things, but we are promised them as the ultimate promise. And we are not promised that in our walk here, then everything else on earth is going to be prosperous and beautiful and wonderful. We are not promised that. One thing that we are promised is that he will walk with us. Through the times that are tough, through the times that are easy, he will walk with us. He is with us. He is our companion. He is ever-present time, help in time of need. Somebody read that this morning during our our prayer, pre-service prayer. And it just reminded me that he promised us that he is present now to be with us. In the times that are easy, that are prosperous, in the times that are hard. As we are praying, as we are praying on Tuesday last week, praying for the persecuted church uh, Tuesday night, it came to mind over and over again how many times they realize and they accept that he is with them. One man said in the video that we do not pray that God will take away our suffering. But we pray that we would have strength to soldier on till the end. For me, in my love of comfort, I would say I pray that all this would go away. But he says I'm not praying that it goes away. But I pray that I have strength to go through it. And I want to encourage us as we, as we go on today. Mr. Shane did say that there are papers up there at the board that speaks about Uh, the persecuted church there are also some in uh, upstairs i've put them on the tables upstairs for you guys to pick up and go and pray for at home these things remind us that our comfort that we have here is not the ultimate comfort and we should not be too comfortable to a point that we don't realize that this is not the end we have a home that we are going to we are people on a trip. This is a little motel that we are waiting as we go on in our trip. And I want to encourage you don't get too comfortable in the motel. Sometimes the motel might have bad bugs. But you're not going to... You you know, when you you endure those and you start scratching the following morning, you're like, oh, I can't wait to get home to my own bed. This is how it should be like for us here in earth. We are not here to be comfortable. We are not here... Yes, God promised all those things, but he promised them to us as the ultimate promise. Let us not get too comfortable here. So he says to them, I pray that you prosper. Just as your soul prospers. Just as your soul prospers. If me and you, our physical health was connected to our souls, some of us would be very sick physically. If our physical health reflected what is happening in our spiritual walk, some of us will be extremely sick. John puts those two together for us to see. And I want you to realize, even in this stage where things are hard, where things are not ultimate, what God promised us, I want you to realize that God is all wise. And he is perfect. And his plan is perfect. In Job, he says nobody can throw his plans. His plans are perfect for us. Even in our suffering of loss, even our suffering of pain, He walks with us. And in that process, our soul is being changed in our suffering. When we walk through the hard times, we draw closer to Him. And when we draw closer to Him, the more we are changed to the image of His Son. God is wise, He knows that when we have everything, we tend to walk away. And think we can do it on our own, and so we don't have much time with Him. So sometimes these time, this times of hardness, of hardship, come so that we can draw closer, and we can say, nearer, oh my God, to Thee, nearer, oh my God, to Thee. I want to walk closer with You, one step at a time, with Jesus. And as that happens, our soul. Begins as well to be healed and get closer, and our spiritual health becomes better and better because we are walking closely to Him. John says, "I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth." Nothing pleased John more than that his children were walking in truth, and we spoke about that. The heart of a pastor, we see it again in John when he says, "Is it's it's a joy." When we walk in truth John, how did John know that Gaius was walking in truth? How does John get to know This man is really walking in truth What's happening here? John gets to know because There is a witness That Gaius is walking in truth There are people who have seen and reported Because they don't just hear But they have seen him walking in truth Today in our walks, in our communities where we live, in our streets, where we are, can people say that those people walk in the truth? By the way that we communicate, by the way that we walk, by the way that we love one another, by the way that we live in a way that represents Christ. Do we represent Christ well enough such that people would say by just pointing us and say those people walk in truth and that was a challenge for me and a challenge for me and you are we walking in a way that is it's not only what we say but it's what we do when this and this are matched, then we've got a good place we're in a good place and I'm going to ask us and I'm going to challenge us on what it means to walk in that truth what does it mean we spoke last week that their truth is Jesus. There is no any other truth. Their truth is Jesus. But he says in this sentence that my children are walking. He says, let me read this again. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Previously he used their truth. Then he went on, and now he's using in truth. What does it mean to walk in truth? It means we are living a real life. A life of truth, a life of genuineness. A life without fawniness, A life that we are not concealing things. We are not living, we are not, we are not saying something and living something different. A life that matches this and that. That's what he's talking about. Yes there is the truth because it says they live in the truth but also they live in truth. We live in the truth which is we walk in Jesus. Our whole being is in Jesus. All that we do reflects to Jesus. But as well in that truth as well we walk in truth of who we are and who we've been called to be. We spoke about what it means to walk in the truth the previous weeks. And today I want us to just a little bit and think about what does it mean then to walk In truth. Being true to what we have been called to be. Consistent with the truth of what we believe. Is our walk consistent to what we believe? Is my walk consistent to what the word of God says? Because I say I believe it. So we are called to walk that way. If you are forgiven, walk like a forgiven person. If chains of addiction have been broken, walk like one who is in freedom. If you are saved and you are a child of God, walk like a citizen of heaven while you're here on Earth. That, that, but then that shows the world that we are walking in truth. Then we move on, then he starts speaking about the example. Gaius comes as our first example. There are three examples that we're going to speak about today. The first one is Gaius. And when he speaks about guests, he says, You do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. John praises Gaius for his hospitality. It sounds very... I mean, it's hospitality. It doesn't sound very big spiritual thing. But it is because it is a picture of the love of God that is spread in our hearts. We are told that we need to be hospitable, and sometimes we will even be hospitable to angels. Am I wrong? So, Gaius here is encouraged in his hospitality. And hospitality is essential to the command of loving one another. The hospitality is love in action. How are we in our hospitality? speak if there's a word like that. How are we doing in that? We speak of open hands, open doors for people. Are we really open hands and open doors for people? And then he goes to him, he says, you do faithfully whatever you do. He tells him that he is not just doing it, but he is doing it faithfully. What does that say to us? Whatever God gives us to do, we need to do it faithfully. Some in, 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 uh, way Paul says, whatever we get our hands to do, we do it as unto the Lord himself. Yes, he is an example of somebody who does hospitality in a way that is faithful. Where do we see this word "faithful" again? We see it in Matthew 25:21 when Jesus says, "Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord." Faithful." And then he says, "When we do this, we become fellow workers with those who are sharing the gospel. Broadway has done a great job when it comes to missionary work, sending missionaries, supporting missionaries. And this is what he's speaking to us about. And we've done a great job in that. But I want to encourage us as we continue to do that, that as we do that, we are taking part and we are being, as we are faithful in that, we become part of what they are doing, wherever God has called them to be. We become partakers of that. The reward for the support people, is the same as the reward of those who are in the front lines. Some people think of, have a picture of when Billy Graham got home in heaven, and there was a great joy, and oh, well done, good and faithful servant, all the souls that you led to the Lord. But I believe that as he spoke some other time, he said, an old woman prayed for him. And I believe when that old woman walked into heaven, she got the same applause as Billy Graham did. Because she was there as support. And I want to encourage us as we support those who are called into the front line, we are partaking in that. Another example of that, we see it in 1 Samuel 30, verse 21 and 25. I'm not going to read it. But David In that in that part, he tells the people when he comes back from war, from recapturing what had been captured, and there were these men that had stayed behind. He says, "We're going to share everything equally." And in this part, David realizes that people who kept the supply line at the back are as important as the people who were in the front. Jesus even offered, said that if you offer a cup of cold water to one of his children, you would not be forgotten and you would not lose your reward. Support. And and this explains why John then goes on and prays for Gaius to be blessed and to prosper. It is because he realizes that as Gaius prospers, he doesn't hoard for himself, but he supports the ministry as we prosper in America in Fort Wayne Indiana are we using what we have or the prosperity the freedom that we have for the support of others who are sharing the gospel in different places where there is no support we are blessed so we can be a blessing to others and but not only that he goes on and he says doing it in a manner that is worthy of god christians are not only called to help or to support but also to help and support in a manner that is worthy of god we are to do our best and do it excellently. Because that's what we are called to do. And having said all this, it does not, ex- it does not exonerate us from the Great Commission. It doesn't free us from the Great Commission. Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are still called... Although we are supporting our brothers and sisters who are doing work that way, we are still called here at home to share the gospel. And we share the gospel by our words, but also by our walk. Let us not be those who share the gospel by our words, void of the walk. Let us not also be those who share the gospel by our walk void of the words. Put those two together and we make a dynamic way of preaching the gospel. And Broadway has done a great job in receiving our missionaries and praying and supporting them. Matthew 10, 40 and 41, Jesus said this, He who receives me, he receives he who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. This scripture should make us consider the way we receive those that are helping to share the gospel in different places. So we have a good example here of a man who does that well. Then there's an example, a bad example. Deutrophus has got a bad example. He's a, he's, yeah, he's a weird guy. His name sounds to be a gentle name, but he's, it's very attached with an unchristian character-like. He has temper, high temper, a spirit full of pride, self-ambition. He loves preeminence. One version says... Theophus, who loves to be the leader, he loves to be in front and be the leader of the church, and he has contempt of the apostles' authority and leaders. He has contempt of anybody else. And the problem here with this with this man that we meet is just in those words that he loves preeminence. He loves to be the leader. Because then for us that, that self-ambition God does not want us not to have ambition But he doesn't want us to have self-ambition And create and grow that To a point that we, we don't think of anyone else but ourselves And we see this man here He has self-ambition And self-ambition creates malice Especially to those who, who does not support, who do not support your self ambition, because you start to reject them, you start not to like them, because they are not supporting your self ambition, and that ill malice wakes up in the heart, and it's going to eventually come out in the mouth, and we see it here with this brother. He refuses. He refuses to listen to anyone, even to listen to the apostles themselves. He refuses. And so I want to challenge us with this bad example that we need to watch our hearts. Guard your heart diligently, Broadway. From within it flows the springs in everything that pertains to life. Guard our hearts. When our hearts are not guarded, you'll see it in our talk, in our conversation. We might be talking and saying things that are scriptural, but the way we are saying them does not glorify God. So we need to realize that sometimes our self-ambition makes us proud and angry and don't want to listen to anyone else, and then it bursts out in words that are not glorifying to God. And there is another thing. That's the sin that the enemy had, that we hear. The devil wanted to be preeminent before God. That's the original sin, wanting to be preeminent. And I want to encourage us. to put away our proud self-ambitions. And this proud, self-ambitious man could not even submit to apostolic authority. At this time when, we, when this book is written, John is most probably the only of the 12 that still remains. So he has authority. He's a man with authority, but he would not even submit to him because of his pride and that preeminence is the difference here because we are called to be like the image of Jesus but what was Jesus like? it says in his word that Christ who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped with but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant But Gaius here takes the opposite of that. And he's a warning to us not to take that. People who love preeminence love to use whatever power that they think they have as a weapon against others. They have to be watchful for that, brothers. And then he ends up and he says, do not imitate what is evil. Do what is good. But John as well has got grace. He's an apostle. He has got the right to excommunicate this man. But he doesn't at that point. He says, I'll come back. and So he's giving him grace to repent. And then there is another good example that we meet. Demetrius. Some people say Demetrius is the man most probably who took this letter to Gaius. Or he was a preaching evangelist as well who was going around. So this was his recommendation letter. Some say that. It doesn't really say what he was, but we hear that is a man of a good testimony. He's recommended to guests, and he's recommended to us. He is a good testimony from all people, and not just from all people, but from the truth. The truth even witnesses on his behalf. It says, Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. Does the truth witness your walk? Does the truth witness my walk? And then he comes to close it down. And in closing it down, he says, I've got so many things to write to you, but I don't want to do this in pen and ink. I'll speak to you when I see you face to face. Peace be upon you. Our friends greet you and greet the friends by name. He says to him, peace be with you, as he ends this. And I want us, as well as we end this Broadway, to think about this. Peace be with you. This letter is written at a time where things are really hard, where there is persecution, where life is really hard for believers. This is the time when this letter is being written by John. But in the midst of this, John says, I pray that peace be with you. And I want to encourage us as a church that we need to have that sense of peace even in the midst of difficult times. He will lead us by his peace. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and knowledge guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace. The peace of God. Peace even in uncircled times. If you have never had a relationship with Jesus, you don't know what peace I'm talking about. Those who have had a relationship with Jesus know what peace I'm talking about. It's beyond comprehension. It's beyond understanding. It's unrational. Because everything is going wild around you, but you have peace because you know in whom you have believed. When everything is falling apart around you, you have peace because you know where you are going, you have a destination. You have an ultimate place where you're going and you know exactly where you're going. So you keep your eyes on that goal, and it gives you so much peace that all these other things that are happening around you are just distractions that you're not even looking at. And you find yourself at peace. And people ask you, How do you have peace in such a situation? How do you do it? People ask you, Miss Lena, with all these things happening in Syria, how do you live in peace here? Because you've experienced the peace of Jesus. And he says, I pray that you have peace. Peace be with you. Broadway, this is my prayer today for us. In the time where things are not going the way we want them to, whether it's politically, whether it's um, financially, whether it's um, the prices of things going up, whatever it is, I, my prayer for you is that you find peace peace in jesus peace in knowing and assurance of that we have a home that has got the ultimate the ultimate promise that is ahead of us this is not our home so if you have not made that decision for jesus i would encourage you today that this is the day to make peace with god and receive that peace as the worship team comes forward I want to encourage you if you are that person and you're saying I've never made this decision for Jesus I encourage you to use this side of the aisle as we sing today come and kneel here someone is going to come and pray with you and make you at peace with Jesus and for us who are believers I want us as we sing today to think about is our walk matching with our words can people say by just watching us that surely we have met Jesus or we have been with Jesus. The Bible tells us that when the disciples were in front of the the Sanhedrin and the council, they said, surely these men have been with Jesus. Can people say that about us? That surely we have been with Jesus or we are with Jesus. And I want to encourage those of us who are believers as we sit here today. Search our hearts. Search our walk. Search our words. Our words seasoned with salt so that it's a blessing to those who hear them. Is the same world bringing out sweet, uh, bitter water and fresh water? are small little things but those are things that help us to walk and be the example that we ought to be and those are the things that would help us attain this peace that passes our understanding we have conflicts amongst us conflicts and all these conflicts and things come from our own desires selfish ambitious desires Jesus called us to be one to be united. When we are united and we walk in unity, we experience the peace of God. It's a call for me and you
0: to walk in that peace.